And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Rates and Barrels. It is Friday, January 7th. Derek Van Riper, Ino Saris, Bricciaroli, got the whole band back together here on this Friday. On this episode, we will share New Year's resolutions inspired by our colleague Andy McCullough. We are going to not only share our own personal resolutions for the upcoming year, which I know everybody is anxiously tuned in for, but resolutions for big league teams as they try and make things better for themselves in 2022 once they're able to do so. I know we're still limited to minor league deals and hiring bench coaches and hitting coaches and saw a rumor from Zach Buchanan that Eno is a candidate for the uh, <laughs> bench coach position for the Mets. So, you know, if you accept that position, I would appreciate it if you told me first, just so I know <laughs> to pack bags accordingly to go figure out what I'm going to do with the rest right. of my life. And so I can at least break the news on break the pod news. to then take advantage of what you're doing. So just please make this as beneficial to me as you possibly can on your way out the door to become a member of the Mets coaching staff. All right. I do have I do have one friend in baseball who's got a running joke that he thinks that's where I'll end up is on the bench next to someone. But I just think that's insane. Um, next to Buck Showalter would be truly insane. That would be um, really funny. Having covered Buck, stuff. yeah, having covered Buck, having known Buck, uh, that would be a tough sell. I love you, Eno. That would be a tough sell. I think you have a better chance joining their analytics department uh, than joining Buck's bench coach team, especially Wayne Kirby. Uh, is about to be hired. Uh, Joey Cora, uh, Wayne Kirby is like an original Buck Walter guy, so that mm. that definitely fits. Uh, what's interesting about Joey Cora, guys, is he's like a hand-picked Lindor uh, guy to help Lindor. They're from the same hometown. Mm. Um, idolized Lindor, uh, Lindor idolized Joey Cora growing up, um, and you know that's a Buck move, like a chess piece move. So I'm trying to think if he hired Eno, who would Eno be in charge of keeping in line? Brandon they'd, have to, they'd have to hire like Jed Lowry next. Yeah, Signed Pete Alonso. Like, you know, you're in charge of only Pete Alonso. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't even know Pete Alonso. It's fine, you know. That, that's it. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people associate Eno with pitchers all the time, but I really, of the players on the Mets, Brandon Nimmo is the first player I oh. think of on that roster when I think of Eno. We had <sighs> we had an amazing conversation actually. Uh, See? We, that was that was that was really fun. It's for a piece that I'll I'll come out with this spring about um, not swinging, and uh, Brandon Nimmo is elite at not swinging, and so and he's just a he's just a fun guy. He's just gregarious and uh, they smile, just a great smile. Oh my God! You know what would be terrifying? You know, if they put you in charge of uh, Jacob Degrom and Max Scherzer, and they're like, these oh are your God. people. <laughs> <laughs> the two people that just make my insides wither. Yeah, you have to report to Buck also. Yeah. So like, yeah. Have fun. Uh, I think I would take up coffee. 
I take up on something stronger than coffee. <laughs> yeah, <you know>? exactly. <laughs> oh, we're off something to, a to match the intensity. <laughs> Fantastic Ooh. start to uh, this Friday show. So. Uh, New Year's resolutions are the theme. Look, I, I think uh, it's a it's a year to be optimistic because uh, we've been taking L's the last two years. Again, not the three of us necessarily, but just everyone in general. It kind of feels like we're taking L's as a as a team, big broad team, like all of us. Humanity, humanity, right? So we have to stay optimistic. We can't take another L. You can't have a three year losing streak as humanity <laughs> can't imagine what that would do to us like i've seen what a two-year losing streak is doing to us and it's ripping us all apart so focusing on the positives do you guys actually like to make new year's resolutions like like brit i think of you as the most dedicated athlete of the three of us by far you know and i are like battling for the silver in there and i give it to, i actually have to give you know the silver because i actually saw him out running recently like i there's proof. Eno's We're never seen now. the exercise. <laughs> I was I was standing there like daydreaming, throwing the ball with Hazel. So I'm clearly in the third position right now. But what do you think about New Year's resolutions, Britt? Is that something you believe in? Uh, actually, no. I hate them. Um, here's my opinion on on New Year's resolutions. Um, one, the New Year actually starts for everybody on their birthday. So if there was a time that you were going to like make a change, have a fresh start, it should maybe be your birthday. Mm. And two. Um, the, my thing with New Year's resolutions is most people only keep them statistically. I think they're already broken. What's today? January 7th. Um, people don't keep them because what happens is, and my, one of my sisters who I love dearly, I have three sisters is like the epitome of this. Like her resolution is work out every day, drink a green smoothie every day, do yoga every day. And people set these like such high expectations that they have no choice but to fail. Nobody ever says I'm going to do. 10 minutes of movement, right? Nobody ever sets these tiny little micro goals. Maybe your goal is to run a marathon, but you still have to set these like micro goals along the mm. way. Like my goal every day is just to hit 10,000 steps. There's days where I just walk my dog as my exercise and that's fine. There's day, lots more days where I go to the gym and I lift or I do, mm. you know, Pilates or whatever. Um, but I think you have to set yourself up to succeed and people don't do that with New Year's resolutions. So that's kind of like my main problem with them. It's like, well, I'm going to eat healthy every day. Just never happens. How about yeah. most days? And you're, and you're, uh, yeah. And you're, you're tapping into just the, the, the thing that I have with self-improvement, which is incremental is way better. Um, and like these, these huge life, I know it happens. It works for some people. Some people will run up against some sort of health problem and be like, well, I just need to cut red meat out completely now from now on or whatever it is, you know? And that, that if, you know, if you're facing like something really big, like sometimes you can make that life decision. If you need to lose, you know, 60 pounds, then you need to make a huge decision to lose that much. But I think for the, for the, the broad swath of the population, just something smaller, uh, that is attainable, uh, makes sense. I do think that like having some sort of year long goal makes sense. I, I, I'm interested to like to hear from you uh, about like your lifting. Cause like, so our last year I ran 750. That was a goal for me, 750 miles. I made it to 760 or so. Um, I'm, I'm struggling with the number. I'm going to do a new number this year. It might only be like 800, 850. I'm going to run an official half marathon. So that might be my goal, but it, I'm not doing that from zero. I ran 13 miles in one sit in one go last year. So I'm like, but this time I want to get the number and go do it. Um, and maybe I only run 800 or 850, but I do like setting a numerical goal. So do you have in your lifting program, like, do you have like something you want to do this year that you haven't done? You want to 
you know, you want to deadlift something or you want to squat something you haven't done before? Yeah, I want to squat 300 pounds, um, which I've been nice. chasing for a little while. And so, yeah, again, like you go in increments, right? And you you kind of have that goal, I think, and you have that. For me, that's what gets me to the gym every day is I have that long-term mm -hmm. goal in mind. But yeah. also, like you were saying, the tiny goals, like, okay, today I'm doing five by five at 80% and I feel terrible. Well, let's just get through this. Let's like, just let's make sure we do just, that. Yeah. yeah, just just every, concentrate on every rep. Just try to get through every little little step and don't get too overwhelmed with, oh my gosh, 225 feels terrible today. How am I ever going to squat 300? You know, um, I think you have to just take it in this tiny little day-to-day -day approach. Like I've been learning Spanish for the last year. And the, what's really been working for me is 10 minutes. I say to myself, at least 10 minutes a day, you have to do Spanish. Some days I do it for an hour because I get caught up and I'm like, yeah, let's go. Other days I'm like looking at my watch, like, all right, it's been eight minutes. It's been nine minutes, you know, like it's a struggle. <laughs> oh man, I, I need to step up my Spanish. I'm doing yeah. Duolingo and you can keep your streak alive on Duolingo by almost, it's like two minutes. Yeah. And, and I've been so keeping my thing. streak alive, but I just, I feel like that's not enough. I need to, I, need, I like this 10 minute. I might borrow the 10 minute from you. Yeah. Cause again, you're never too busy. 10 minutes is a great number. I think for a lot of people, that's why I mentioned it with like exercise and movement. 10 minutes is a great number because if you're feeling good, no matter what it is, you're going to blow past that 10 minutes, 10 minutes mm. of reading, 10 minutes of studying, 10 minutes of walking. Um, but if you and don't, if you're feel not good, feeling good, you can, you can grit out 10 minutes. Yeah. 10 minutes. Everyone has 10 minutes. No one's too busy for 10 minutes. So right. I, I, you know, I think, you know, you, you get these bigger numbers. People are like, I'm going to do this for an hour a day. And like, I don't always have the hour. People don't mm -hmm. always have the hour, but 10 minutes again, this is how you like approach these chunks, right? These tiny little yeah. things. This is how people write books. They don't sit down and write books. Like I read Stephen King's book all about this. He writes like a chunk a day. He has like a period where he writes in the morning and that's it. He doesn't just sit at his computer and type away all day. Mm, that's it. That he seems has a like tiny a better thing. way to live your life. Did you did you make any resolutions, Derek? No, I didn't. I, I'm kind of in the, the Brit camp of they just don't work if you do them right. And I, I, I have enough random times where I'm like, I'm going to try something new that, that pop up during the year where I, I feel like yeah, a birthday resolution or even just like a yeah, I feel like a garbage today. I was going to try to try to do this pivot to make things better. So I, I don't use the start of the new year quite that way. Uh, but I think it's if that's what works for you, by all means, do it. Um, I think it's interesting, too. We um, we're getting questions about this a little bit on Twitter. People keep asking because of the news from Thursday that the athletic is being purchased by the New York Times. Is the podcast going anywhere? No, it's not. Like, I, I think as far as the three of us go, like it is business as usual. Like it's what you've seen in tweets and press releases and stuff. It's out there, but it honestly does feel like things are exactly the same for the foreseeable future. And, you know, so just want to throw that out there on the pod in case mm -hmm. people were like, Hey, what's going on with you guys? Is the pod still going to be here? Yes. Uh, changes to the schedule that were in place anyway, those are still going to happen. But as far as just like what we're doing, that's not changing all that much. Yeah, you may be able to find us in some other spots, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, generally self-improvement is really difficult. I mean, like, for example, I have this one thing on the phone, right? Like, I would like to like to look at the phone less. I would like to use my phone less. However, it's really important to my job. <laughs> you guys are both trapped in that. It is it is actually a legitimate, important part of your job. For most people, it is purely a distraction. It is just a machine of distractions that 
it's up to us to really like find ways to just not get on there. Like, I don't know how you separate yourself from your phone unless you had two, unless you had like a work phone and a non-work phone. That almost seems like it's, it's adding well, garbage to garbage, like we <laughs> talked about before. The safe plus old place phone time with some stuff. I like what Britt was saying. Uh, I want to read more. And she said she was saying that she puts the phone down at some point and, and reads to to go to bed. And like uh, that was off air. Sorry, <laughs> she didn't want well, anybody well, to read, know read, read an actual book. Don't yeah. Don't read on your phone. Don't don't. Yeah. Scroll so I think paper or I think uh, I think I like that idea where I'm going to try and, and put the phone down before bed and. And not not look at it all the way up until I drop dead. So maybe that's why the <laughs> the chargers for phones are so short. So that way you can't plug them in and read them in bed. You have to plug them in, and they kind of only go to like the one side of the nightstand. But I think I've everybody out there has, has leaned awkwardly out yeah. of bed, <laughs> held the phone like stretched to its limits because it was going to die. And like, <laughs> yeah. I just gotta scroll Twitter. I just gotta yeah. see what these tweets are. It's twelve thirty at night. You get out of my bedroom. <laughs> what are you talking about? You what am I doing? <laughs> yeah, because we've all been there. So yeah. I guess if I had a New Year's resolution, it, it's to kind of continue something I started doing around the time that we moved to California last year and keep Twitter off my phone. Like I don't have Twitter on my phone. Wow. I haven't had Twitter on my phone for months. I don't doom scroll it. I, mm. I can't. I, it's, it's not even always doom scrolling. Sometimes it's just like it's fantasy baseball draft season. What are my friends doing? How do their teams mm. look? It's all going to be there when I get back to my computer. The stupid <laughs> algorithm even knows what I like now. It's it, starting to show it to you. And yeah. it spits it back at me anyway. Even though I think the <laughs> algorithm is stupid, it still actually kind of does its job. You don't need to doom scroll and do that all the time. So that that's the thing that I already changed that I'm just going to try and like stick to because sticking with these goals is really important. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We should talk about this from a, a baseball perspective. Baseball and, and I think the, the practical application of this would be like, let's say, let's say you're the Kansas City Royals. Keith Law and I talked about them on the athletic baseball show that went up on Friday. We we're looking at the AL Central and you know what those teams might do when the lockout ends. The Royals are one of those teams that I think need to have realistic goals for what is going to come in 2022. If the Royals goal their singular goal is to win the World Series in 2022, <laughs> they're probably going to be disappointed. It's okay to want that, but I think the the intermediate goals are more important to them, right? It's to it's to bring up the the trio of young prospects and to have all three of them, Bobby Witt Jr., uh, MJ Melendez, and Nick Prado, to have all of those guys in the lineup as comfortable big league regulars by midseason or whatever their timetable is for that entire group. Have all those guys as fixtures in the lineup. 
Make and a run at 500. Make a run at 500. Yeah, at least be a 500 team. At least be within three games of a playoff spot at the trade deadline or whatever the actual numbers are. I think that's the type of goal that a team like that should reasonably set. And you can be an exciting team that sells a lot of tickets that actually gets people watching you again without being a playoff team. I think they're among the groups of team among the group of teams that that could actually fit that sort of description. So I think the resolution definitely needs to fit the team correctly, uh, the same way that it has to fit a person correctly. I'd add like um, hit hit on a pitcher or two. Yeah, for them, yeah. I mean, especially because yes. they keep bringing up these guys, and you're you get every time you're like, oh, Jackson Coar or this guy or this guy, and you're like, come on, one of these guys got to got to be a little bit better than like a four or five ERA. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, but you're right. There are teams that like, okay, if you're the Orioles, like, don't you have to? They're in year four now of this rebuild. You have, I mean, Adley Rushman's probably going to be up at some point in time. I think we all know that. Um, do you need to see improvement in record? I think for a lot of these teams, the answer is yes. Um, you can't convince fans you're headed in the right direction when the record's headed in the wrong direction. Uh, Baltimore, top of that list. I think Detroit's kind of an interesting team um, in terms of like, we saw some forward progress and forward momentum. And then obviously Texas, because what offseason we had, they sort of won the mini offseason, right? Them and the Mets. And um, the Mets we'll get to a little bit later because they're just a fascinating team, I think, stealing coaches from the Yankees and kind of drumming up what may be like a really renewed rivalry between those two teams. Uh, but, you know, there's, it, it's interesting to me to look at the teams that yet yeah, are not going to compete for the World Series but need to compete for something, like need to give their fans some kind of hope here. Um, and I think there's a lot of teams in that category, maybe not to the degree of Baltimore, but still in that category. Yeah, I think there's a few ways we could do this. We could go division by division and kind of throw some ideas out there for each team. We could go from the bottom of projected war to the top, and then the teams that are similar at least get goals that kind of fit. I'm, I'm open to going about this any Let's just of throw those some ways. out there. I, 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 yeah. if, we, if we if we go systematic, then we're going to be here for three hours. You That's know? true. Maybe a very so, long pod. I think just sure. what what sp- what jumps out at you. One thing that jumps out at me is um, I I'm sorting the depth charts, and uh, the Rangers have crept their way up when it comes to to bats. They're 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 a representative team now with bats. Uh, they're they've got the worst pitching war, projected pitching war in baseball, and it's not like oh they're you know, in a group and they're no, they've got the worst by far. They've got seven, they've got 7.9 projected war from, uh, their, from their pitchers. The second worst are the Orioles with 10. So they're, they're, they're missing some bodies and it usually, it it does come from the bullpen and maybe bullpens are volatile. And there are some names there that could get healthy. And we've talked about this, but really, uh, the second worst pitching staff in baseball behind the twins. So if I have a new year's resolution uh, for the Rangers, it is go get some pitchers. Yeah. yeah that That's a that big one sense. for sure. And it, it, it's clear that they are willing to spend an ad. Like they've done that already this off season. They're going to continue doing that. They got the new stadium, all of that fits. We spent their, we spent that money in like, eight minutes on a pod, <laughs> like before they, they did it. And they've been decent at, at finding pop-up pitchers like Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn in the past. So they've got a, right. some, some, some sort of good process there and they need to follow that process. Maybe, maybe by a big name pitcher too. 
I, I just think there's a lot of teams in this position. Like I, I would say Minnesota is there, as yeah, you I mentioned. Did. I had to They're, mention Minnesota right Minnesota there. for sure. <laughs> Texas. But they Baltimore. don't spend it all. Well, yeah, Cleveland. Minnesota really doesn't. Cleveland arms. I mean, they spend on Donaldson, but they don't spend on arms. Like Cleveland is in a What's Cleveland spot. doing? Yeah, but what do you watching wish their for, name change? I mean, you, that was what like do you, what do you wish for them? I mean, it, it's not it's not clear when I look across I that know. like, oh, they need to do this exactly, you know? No, I don't know. it's not. I, I do think, especially in like bigger market teams like the Yankees, like do you have to get a Correa or a Trevor Story? Because you look at the Yankees and they're so terrified of the luxury tax, right? You kept hearing about getting under the luxury tax. If they go at the stopgap auction, like maybe an Alderson Simmons. Uh, as they wait for their young prospects to maybe uh, get to that point, are they kind of waving the white flag on this year? But they're, they're they, the second best projected team right now in baseball. They're, but they're always projected. But look at what have they done that's made them so much better than last year's team. Yeah, I know. It's true. So why I, are I think, they projected, think, right? Like, why are they projected to be so high? Well, well, they're just, they were a good team last year, too. It's just. Yeah. They, okay. they're being right behind the Dodgers. I mean, they, they made the playoffs. I, I think perception of the Yankees, they, this this is the problem with goal setting. The Yankees are, <laughs> I, I don't know, imagine your most athletic friend where everything just comes so easy to this person and, and they're the kind of person that's like, I'm going to do an Iron Man this year. And you're just like, <laughs> yeah. come on, who does that? I know people actually actually do Iron Man. Yeah, like, right. It's a pretty amazing I didn't know what it was until this until this break and I'm it's I'm impressed. It's a lot. Yeah. Once you are like, oh, like all of that, that all of that one, one day. <laughs> of those things. Like, all of that in one day. What is it? It's a half Yankees. marathon plus <laughs> plus two miles of, of, of uh it's a mile of swimming. Swim. A mile no, swimming. It's a mile, it's a mile a half marathon and then like thirty miles of biking or something. Yeah, the I bar is just doing different. one. You yeah. did. Yeah, because I swam the mile in college and I I've run marathons. So well, I yeah, so you, you've kind of you've done two thirds of it already. Yeah, um, I don't. I'm not a crazy about spending that long on the bike, though. I'm not like part of the big peloton craze or anything, mm. so I don't know how I would fare. But I'm curious where this analogy was going about the Yankees. They are well, the their Iron their goal setting is like you know totally I'm going to do an Ironman. I'm going to win it all. Or, or it's like the college football programs that have to win a national championship or their season's a disaster. If Alabama yeah. doesn't win a national championship in college football, they had a bad year. That's it. There's there's like one goal by which they are measured. The Yankees are measured yes. that way. They're, they're among, there's a, only a handful of teams like that. The Dodgers are like that now, too. If yeah. those two teams don't win the World Series, they had a bad year by but most on the people's micro measures level, and their internal measures. Correct. But on the micro level, how do you get that team which is already projected as the second. How do you get that team to the World Series? You have to get a shortstop, don't you? Well, the thing I that they're missing is the thing you don't get in free agency. The thing that they're missing is a combination of athleticism, defense, and offense at a premium defensive position. And starting pitching depth, because behind Garrett Cole is always... You can get that in free agency. But I think, I think when we look at that, we're like, oh, Aaron Hicks is the center fielder, and... You know, is it if it's Glaber at, at short again? You know, right now, Urshela's at top of short uh, in the depth chart. Like, you usually like if they do buy a shortstop, he's going to have to move off a shortstop. So I actually do like the idea of getting shortstop. I think they should go get one of the shortstops because you get him for shortstop for two or three years. You think he's going to be their third baseman after Geo, and you hope that one of your prospects becomes a young shortstop of the future. Right, but and you, I. 
Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I it, it it is hard to get premium defense and offense at a premium defensive position in free agency because you're buying post your post you're buying post peak players. Well, there's still options. Trevor Story is still out there. I think they, here's the thing: if they don't get Trevor Story, they're not ruined. It's just the best thing they can do in free agency with the current build of their roster. Now, I think the other thing with the Yankees, kind of bridging the question that Britt put out there. Like, how do they really get there with this roster? By projection, they should be there already, even without a shortstop upgrade, even if they run it back with Glaber, which will piss everybody off in the Bronx and lead to that cloud of negativity that just hangs over the Yankees when they're not winning 10 to nothing every night. Okay, the problem, I think, based on how projections work and the makeup of that team, if that's an older team, we know older players have favorable projections that they're not as likely to meet because of health and decline. So Stanton has a uh, currently a 581 plate appearance, uh, three win projection, which is possible. But I mean, we know Stanton three win projection for a a DH is actually pretty amazing. And 580 for Stanton. He's still hitting missiles. There's there's like in terms of underlying numbers, there's not a lot of evidence of uh, loss of, of strength of any kind. Piss, for John piss, Carlos piss missiles, please. Yes. <laughs> te- please use the technical term. Yeah. Piss missiles. Uh, so you, I, I can entertain the argument that even though the projections have them as the second best team, Fangraphs war projections have them as the second best team in baseball right now, that they're not actually the second best team in baseball right now, that they're like the seventh or eighth best team in baseball because of added injury risk and a reduced likelihood of them actually hitting those projections compared to age and and oldness, which is a hard thing to fix in free agency (laughs) compared to the Dodgers or the Astros or the white side or the blue Jays would be a good example. Like the blue Jays are a younger team that Mm -hmm. have a lofty projection. They're probably more comparable to the blue Jays than the war projections would lead you to believe the blue Jays aren't a bad team. The blue Jays are a likely playoff team in 2022. So I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but yes, how are they going to fix their flaws? Their resolution should be upgrading at shortstop, but what else could they do? It's not a one like adding Trevor Story doesn't fix some of the concerns. Britt has issues with the the pitching depth. I think a lot rides on Luis Severino being healthy this year. That rotation looks a lot different with him versus how it looks without him. Um, I, I'm still a Jordan Montgomery truther, so I look at him and I see what could go right more than what could go wrong. I think there were some steps forward last year. I mean, Cole at the top. You know, mentioned Luis Heel on our last episode as a guy that really could have like a more him. prominent role. I could definitely see that working out. Uh, Tyon could be a little better this year than he was last year. That wouldn't be much of a surprise. I don't think any of these things are stretches. I actually think the biggest stretch with the rotation is banking on a fully healthy Luis Severino. It's it's kind of like a fully or a Nestor Cortez man. repeat or a Nestor Cortez repeat. Yes. Relatively speaking, compared to other teams, we were just talking about teams at the bottom of the pile for pitching. The Yankees are in a good spot overall with what they have for pitching. And sure, could they do a little more? Will they do a little more? Probably. But I don't think that's a, a major weakness. I think it's actually a strength relative to the field. I have an idea for, for them. Trust your kids. Mm. Instead of mm. signing Brett Gardner again, uh, instead of signing Corey Kluber again, pencil in heel, pencil in Florial. Trust the kids and and have 
three roster spots. Hey, just have three roster spots next year. They're going to go to totally untested young players that you think are ready for the show. That's I'm a tall board. order in the Bronx. I know. I, mean, I, I like know. It, it's crazy. That's, in the that's Bronx. a tough place. This is but, in Kansas City. I know, <laughs> and it and it didn't work out necessarily with Clint Fraser or whatever. And they 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 always try to like you know kind of do it slowly and see if they can make it. Yeah. But I would love. I always... I would love to see some youth in New York. You know, I'd love to I see them. I always think of like Java Chamberlain, though. It's like the poster child for like what can happen to somebody who's just like brought well, up. I mean, Clint Fraser too, dude. I mean, like, he yes, was yes, exciting, the and they they ruined him. <laughs> yeah. So there's that hanging over the head too. But I, I like it. It's a bold idea. Do you guys have any other bold New Year's predictions for teams? I like the the bold. Here's one. Uh, Washington Nationals. Revamp your entire player development set setup. That to me isn't bold. It's long overdue. Clean they have, house. They won't. <laughs> <laughs> here's here's something I've got that is uh, eye opening to me. So uh, this guy uh, Pratik Brennan uh, at Painting Corner on Twitter uh, did an extensive analysis of players uh, in the minor leagues and how they improved from year to year and how they improved all the way up to the major leagues. Um, and kind of scored everybody on player development and how, how much their players improved over time. And the Washington Nationals were 25th in hitter development and 24th in pitching development. Uh, the only teams that were worse in both were, uh, well, there it was Baltimore. That's the only team that was worth, worse in both was Baltimore. Well, you know, I think me and you have talked about this before. They Yeah, we wrote a whole story uh, about it. We wrote a whole story about it because I had a coach that used to be there tell me that, like, check out the fastball velo when these guys get drafted versus when they make it up. I mean, they just don't have a good history of, like, adding anything. And I challenge you to give me a player that Washington has developed. And I'm not talking, like, Steven Strasburg, which was a very obvious top pick. I'm talking – when was the last Him and time Soto we were like, we we, we selected great yeah. players and they were great. Yes. Well, yeah, Harper, Harp, the never... Harper Strasburg picks were legitimate no brainer. One picks. ones. Any, the, <laughs> undisputed number one overall yes. picks. Any GM in history would have picked, picked those players in those spots. So there's no there's no find there. Like it, it's it's the right. thing that happened. You just you, you happen to be bad enough at the right time to get franchise altering players. Right. I've, well, I've Soto, had like Soto behind. was signed, but yes, and, but yeah, Soto is totally the, Soto's different. Soto is that, a, that was a, that was a okay, that was a fine, but it wasn't a development win as much as it was like a scouting win. I think. Yeah, that, that's my that was my point. Is like those guys didn't spend barely any time in the minor leagues. So yeah. when was the last time they had a fourth Surprise rounder, guy, fifth yeah. rounder, seventh rounder who came up and contributed to the big league team? They really haven't. Um, I've had subjective reports, like sort of, you know, this is more like you can't really report, but like whispers of like players that do poorly in their minor league system and then have to go to, you know, these uh, pitching labs and places and get better. And then it makes it makes it look like the Nationals did something. But no, that player actually got better when he went to, you know, this place or that place. You know? <laughs> so that is not unique to the Nationals, though. That happens with a that, lot of teams. Yeah, that does happen. And and they'll even have uh, they'll even sort of count on it or have sort of contracts with these labs to kind of outsource Correct. some of their PD, which makes analysis of PD very hard because a lot of these guys are going to driveline or, you know, Kinetic Pro or these other places they go. Correct. Yeah. compound. So. Um, you know, the, it does make it hard, but I, I don't hear good things ever about Washington PD. 
Um, and I don't think the results on the field <laughs> uh, bear it out. And I think that it's going to get really tough for them uh, pretty soon uh, because, you know, they're not going to get the one, one pick uh, without a major tanking. And they have Soto who's going to keep them one, like single-handedly from being the worst team in baseball. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so they're going to do this weird uh, mediocre thing unless they revamp PD. Correct. I mean, and they're not interested at- in tanking. They're, they're not a tanking team. Like Rizzo has said that before, which I do admire. And I wish more teams had that mindset of like, we're not going to tank. We're going to try to be good as soon as we can. Um, now they did get some prospects from the Dodgers um, when they traded Scherzer and Trey Turner. I don't know how much those guys are going to work out, but, but how much do I um, think that gray is going to develop in Washington when they don't have a track writer developing, you know, Josiah cor- Gray. Correct. So. Yeah. Well, there, there okay. is problems there. Question. Uh, how different is the big league coaching staff when they acquire young players who are big league ready, which I would say that Josiah Gray and Kiebert Ruiz would count as two guys who are big league ready. How much does that differ from when they try to develop a prospect from, you know, rookie ball all the way through? Like, I, I think that's potentially different because I'm going back. Like you could have a really good yes. pitch, major league pitching coach and paper over some of your PD problems. Sure. Right. I'm, I'm just looking at like the 2019 world series roster. I'm like, where, where did these players come from? A, a lot of them were via trade uh, and free agency, right? Even Trey Turner, like they, they traded for Trey Turner. That was a, a, a free, amazing free trade. Was a trade. It was a player Morton to be named was a later. Signer. Yeah. Morton was a signing. You're talking about Braves now. Yeah. Well, you yeah. said world series. I'm talking about 2019. Trey Turner, they traded for Anthony Rendon was actually a guy. They, drafted. they, they got him. Yeah. They actually drafted, but he, he's closer in terms of what he was as a player in college. He was closer to a can't miss. He was more like a Strasburg or Harper. They should, they should still get some yes. sort of credit for not wrecking him, but whatever. there were injury concerns and he dropped to them. So yes, but you're right. That whole roster, but that was the thing. They were the oldest roster in baseball. This wasn't yeah. a team of homegrown guys brought along that year. They were the oldest team in baseball. They yeah. had Brian Dozier and, uh, you know, Gerardo Parra and, yeah. you know, like, so like, and even that rotation, they bought Scherzer. They did draft oh, so Strasburg. much they money in that. They bought Corbin. Corbin. They bought yeah. Anibal Sanchez. So, they didn't really have like they have Eric Fetty and Joe Ross and Joe Ross, I believe is not homegrown. I think they got him uh, a, a little bit later as a trade, but Eric Fetty's homegrown. But so they don't have those like big homegrown impact success stories. And think uh, about the, the, to me, the, the best player development organization, in baseball, or, you know, top three, at least is the Astros and think about how different their world series rotation was. Now they didn't win, but you know, uh, they signed three 21, 20, 21, 22 year old, uh, like Latin American guys. And they were in their, in their, uh, starting rotation in their bullpen doing prominent things. And nobody else in baseball is signing 22 year old Latin American kids, you know, like that's not kids is not even a word that, you know, the 22 is yeah. like, Oh my We're God. Adults. Yeah. <laughs> what, they what, have, are you, what are you doing there talking to adults? <laughs> yeah. I do think they have the Nationals done a better job internationally than they have um, anywhere yeah. else. Johnny DePueglia, I think, has really turned around that organization. Mm. We mentioned Soto, DVR's boy, Victor Robles. Yeah, what did they do uh, to him? Guy there. Uh, he's in winter. He's in winter ball right now. I saw him make an awesome throw. I think Maria Torres yeah. retweeted something, and I was like, hey, I'm <laughs> clicking on this. It's a Victor Robles video. Victor Robles. Exactly. <laughs> it's going to happen. But, uh, yeah. I agree with you. Eno is like throwing out all these uh, <laughs> these crazy scenarios. I like it. I mean, I'm trying to think of some other bold projections for other New Year's other New Year's teams. I mean, could Tampa Bay Rays finally get a stadium or a, 
I don't know. Something handled is that it's not even bold. All right, let's let's go. Like so let's overdue. go to the more pressing one. Let's 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 find a home for the A's, right? Yeah, that's true oh, too. Just yeah, I, I still, I still just the Las Vegas A's. Ugh, please no, please don't do I that. I know. I agree. I mean, I don't know. Oh, well, McCullough had that build a dome for the Rockies, which was interesting. Um, but here's the thing: the Rockies, the Rockies. Hmm. Here's the thing: the Rockies have a ton more problems than whether they're doming their stadium. How about like let's start with ownership and let's talk about blowing things up? You know, like the GMs or everything was just like, hey, let's just promote some people internally and hope that everything. The guy who's like, been you know here forever, I mean? he'll fix it. He'll change it. He'll fix it. He'll come in and really light a fire. Like I mean, to be huh. fair, probably the scouting was the only thing they were they're doing anything at, and he was their scouting guy, right? It, yeah, I I, I mean but, I would look at, at that team and say there's actually some development success stories on the position player side. I know that gets amplified by the ballpark and then it becomes hard to separate. Well, in Patrick's estimation, they were 16th in hitting, but 30th in pitching. Yeah, there's right. always, there's got to be ballpark effects in there. But yeah, you know, I, uh, I've got I've got I've got a piece I'm working on with Nick Groke, and I've got a my New Year's resolution is to 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 work on that because I've got like an hour long, I've got an hour long interview that I don't want to transcribe because transcribing an hour long interview is just like, it's so awful. <laughs> so that's why I keep putting off. Sorry, Nick, if you're listening, we'll get to that. But I also have a, a an interview planned with a sleep expert uh, at Stanford. Uh, and, and so there, I, there's something to this doming, but I, I almost like want them to like have a pressurized room. Uh, like a pressurized nap room, you could sleep at uh, at sea level, at the ballpark. Hmm. Would that cause more problems though? Because then your body has to adjust again back when well, you get out. I, I think the whole thing is rest and recovery, and so if you can just give people a way to rest and recover, the other part is yes, uh, getting enough oxygen into your lungs, like that sort of uh, the thing where like you know all the high altitude. Uh, guys win the olympics right i win the uh marathons um but i think that that's just going to happen on its own and you're that's just you work out you do that but i think the when i talking to players rest and recovery is just super difficult for them and you'll see injuries you'll see uh just suboptimal performance um so Uh, something like that but i do i like that idea and now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. DVR, you got any bold New Year's predictions for teams? <sighs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm looking at the the Blue Jays and I'm saying, like, what should their resolution be? Because it feels like they've been doing 
pretty much everything right trying to launch this team as the core came together, right? And I want to say, like, what in, in that division, which we talk about year over year, just being so incredibly difficult to win, what do they have to do to actually get into the playoffs and do damage? What's missing with the Blue Jays? And I think it's probably more bullpen depth. They need a little more impact there. It's one spot. Otherwise, like one more infielder. I, I think the resolution is to commit and say, we're going to go get Jose Ramirez in a trade. We're going to add that one more impact that would guy. Be, that would be really, really interesting. Because they're already yeah. flirting with the Houston level, you know, big WRC plus low K percentage lineup that just beats you up a ton of different ways. You go one more in with Ramirez, you're better protected in case injuries are more of an issue. I know they missed George Springer for a good chunk of last year. I think they have to do it. I think, especially starting in that division, you team can never starting have too Biggio. much. Yeah, starting Vigio and, yeah. and Espinal on, in this division and on that team just seems like, it, yeah, you're right. I think it's begging for for one of them to be pushed into kind of a utility yeah. role. Yeah, you got to push right, the though. last few chips in if you're Toronto. You're doing like, I have no qualms with how they've got to this point but don't stop now yeah yeah they're an interesting team and like you look at the roster and how young they are and you know those guys are going to continue to get better we talked about the yankees and how their projections might be higher the toronto i mean good luck projecting how good vlad Guerrero jr is going to be right like it seems like there's no real limit for some of these guys they have so i agree let's go all in let's like absolutely make toronto just like be mashing and run the ALE. So that would be a great story. I'd love it. I'd love it if it's Jays and Rays and then like five games of separation or more between Yankees, Red Sox this year. Like I, I would love it to turn into more of a two-team race. Yeah, and the free agent options, I mean, uh, you know, what do you get? I guess Abigio is a left-hander. You could go get like a Josh Harrison or a Donovan Solano, uh, two right-handed infielders. And and that would be the kind of like incremental approach. But I, I think I like this idea of going big. Yeah, I do too. Speaking of going big, if you're the Mets, it has to be like also a big resolution, right? I mean, one, they need to unsurp the Braves. So basically run the NLEs the last couple of years. But I think when you look at the moves that they made, they're a team that like, it kind of seems like World Series are bust, at least NLCS are bust. I mean, this needs to be, a huge step forward after last year and all the optimism. And then, you know, that whole collapse towards the end of the first half. I think if you're the Mets, you know, the Mets fan base, you got Buck Showalter, you got Max Scherzer, uh, you know, you've got all of these exciting additions. You've got the money, you've got the ownership. Um, the Mets are going to have to go big or go home. That it, That's exactly what it feels like. We talked about the Yankees being the same way. And I think, I think it has to be like that for the Mets. Yeah, yeah, I think I mean, it's interesting because they got a little change in their pockets, right? Like in Jeff McNeil and J.D. Davis and Dominic Smith. I mean, we we talk about wanting to build teams that have depth. And so the depth is never bad. And so you could go to battle with those guys. But it does seem like you could go to battle with two out of those three guys and turn that last guy into maybe a fifth starter that's better than Tyler Major, right? And and get more depth on the pitching side. I think that might yeah. be that might be the move is is trade Jeff McNeil for a pitcher. I, really I think I, I think they line up really well with Oakland. And uh, we were just talking about this on Under the Radar earlier today. If if you look at Oakland, we've talked about all the ways this team could be dismantled. 
they always try to play the middle, as we've said. I, I believe that that's generally true. Things can be different this time. Frankie Montas is the guy that you want the most if you're trading. It, like it, it's the question isn't even like how long do you have them even of the pitchers they have. Which one do you like the most? I think the consistent answer from everybody is going to be Frankie Montas. Now you would have him longer than Bassett and Manaya and two years. That's supposed to one. That's that's nice. So like that's that's extra. I think they line up perfectly with Oakland because part of playing the middle is being willing to take guys with flaws and who are big league ready and just letting them play and see what happens. And I would say that, that describes Dominic Smith because we've seen him show signs of being a well above average big league hitter. He's played out of position for a long time. If they also trade Matt Olson somewhere, guess what? Dominic Smith's your first baseman. J.D. Davis, yeah, he's not at all Matt Chapman, but he'd throw him at third base, throw him in left field, maybe even make him a regular DH. He's going to hit enough to, to be an everyday guy. Jeff McNeil fits really well in Oakland, too. You could take a bundle of guys, some combination of those guys or all of them, and actually make a package that Oakland would be willing to give up Frankie Montas to get. Because I think Oakland's different. I think they they kind of either go like injured prospects to get more or they go like big league ready guys where the star the star level ceiling's not necessarily there but you're getting years of control and you're getting guys that you can throw in that lineup on a regular basis yeah yeah they want yeah. they want pop-up prospects is another thing they like is is prospects that are are performing well but aren't thought of that well in the scouting community yeah. and i'm sure you can, I mean- you can find one if you're Oakland, I mean, you have to hit on all these trades, right? Like that's going to be your New Year's resolution is hit on the trades because we're dismantling our team. And if you hit on them, you hope that the rebuild cycle is fairly quick and they can kind of get back to being that, you know, plucky, competitive Oakland A's type of team. Um, but honestly, I kind of feel bad. Mark Kotze, the first year manager there, um, it's going to be a rough, rough sledding for a couple of years in Oakland. But again... You just have to hope that the front office They're hoping that they been make fairly that, savvy. Yeah. They make that Simeon Bassett trade again. Yes, exactly. You, that's really what you have to hope for. And, um, you know, they could have a quick turnaround if they hit on these trades. Like, they, it could be, you know, a fairly quick cycle where they're back up again. You just you just don't really know. And like you guys were, we were saying earlier, they've got the stadium issues and just a really tough time to be an Oakland A's fan. What did you both think of the, the? I don't remember who the original report. I just know trade rumors picked it up, and I just saw the headline. But Matt Chapman to the Yankees, but maybe as a shortstop. I just thought that was kind of bizarre. Like, if if the Yankees don't get Trevor Story, yeah, you could see him going somewhere else and playing second base. I've suggested the White Sox. I've suggested the Blue Jays. He could he could follow Marcus Simeon's footsteps and try to go that route. That worked out just fine for Marcus Simeon in the end. One difference, Marcus Simeon a year ago, did not have the qualifying offer draft pick compensation on him. The A's did not give Marcus Simeon the qualifying offer when he became a free agent. The Jays, of course, did, so they they got the draft pick when he left for Texas. But if you miss on story, Brian Cashman doesn't go into panic mode, but the Yankees will still try to do something. And it's Matt Olson or Matt Chapman or maybe both, probably just one. But Matt Chapman at shortstop was just something I didn't think any team would do, even though he's an amazing third baseman. Like, is that even plausible? Like, to, they could they could actually go that route and take someone who's not a shortstop and just make him a shortstop. There's a there's a real yeah. I I kind of share Britt's 
I don't know. There's a really interesting piece that's uh, relevant to this by Russell Carlton in Baseball Prospectus this last week about uh, the the defensive spectrum and wins above replacement and just the idea that uh, you could take a guy who was a plus 10, plus 15 third baseman like Matt Chapman and just put him at, at short and it would work out because uh, the defensive numbers say they should, you know. Um, which is very different than uh, what it actually what it actually works like in player development or when you're trying to put a team together when you talk to players, right? When you talk to players, yeah, shortstop is very different than third base. You know, uh, third base, you only have to basically cover half of what you have to do with shortstop because you have the line. You know, you have this line thing that you're that you're that that sort of protects you or that you're you're always thinking about how far you are from the line. Whereas at shortstop, you're you just got that wide expanse in both directions. You don't, you don't have a line protecting you. And so I do wonder if like maybe Chapman plus Urshela, who has a good defensive reputation, like you just put two really good defenders over there and you hope to have basically average defense out of the two. It's, it's bold. It's bold. Uh, and I kind of, I kind of dig it from an analytical standpoint, but I, I think that the players themselves would not dig it. Yeah, it is bold. I kind of think of Manny Machado and what happened with him. And I remember, you know, he came up, they put him at third base. He was terrific. But he was a shortstop really, coming up, right? Yeah, yes. Um, I was going to get to that. So, but then yeah, they sorry. moved him. Yeah. No, you're fine. But then they moved him to shortstop because he badly wanted to play shortstop. He came up, he was drafted as a shortstop. He thought shortstop was so cool. They moved him to shortstop and it did not go well for a while because he That's wasn't right. used to being involved in every play. I remember how exhausted, talked about how exhausted he was. This mm-hmm. is a guy who had surgeries on both of his knees. All of a sudden, like you are literally, as you know, saying you're the captain of infield. You are involved in so much. It's so much more of a physical wear and tear on guys than they realize. And when Machado moved back to third base, uh, obviously in San Diego, they had Tatis. Uh, he, I remember he was happy about it. I think it's not quite as easy as people realize, oh, this guy's a really good defender. Let's just move him over a little bit. They're totally different positions, totally different physical requirements. And also it's mentally exhausting, guys have talked about, because there is no break. You have so many more things to worry about, uh, covering bases, backing things up. There's so many more things involved than just fielding from a different position on the field. Yeah, uh, I was talking to uh, a, a team, a, a coach about uh, how they track um, fatigue and how they, how they, uh, how they think about uh, when they had to rest their veteran shortstop. Um, and they mentioned that that one of the things that's so difficult about shortstop and the thing that they track and they actually have someone tracking this is starts and stops. And so the shortstop, there's so many more plays where they, uh, even if they don't touch the ball, they have to move towards the ball, right? There's so many plays where they're like, oh, I, oh no, it's to the second base where it's a single or whatever. You know what I mean? They, like there's so many plays where they start and they have to, they have to like maybe even dive and not get to it or they have to go to second. They have to do something. <laughs> I mean, think about the left fielder. He's like, well, that ball's not near me. Well, that ball's not near yeah. me. That ball's not near me. <laughs> the shortstop is always Off like starting. Bubbles. I got to go to second. I got to go to third. I got to cover. I got to do this. I got so they're always they're starting and stopping. And they said that's that's like that's fatigue is where you you get the the fatigue out of starting and stopping. I'm trying to look up right now. Um, the internet is not helping. But when was the last time that Chapman actually played short? I, I just thought when he was coming up, he was part of a team. I think that A's group was, if I remember correctly, it was Chapman Olson and maybe Daniel Robertson. And he never Robertson, he didn't play it. He played. I don't think he ever played it because Robertson was always the shortstop on those teams. I've I've got it open now. He played 
10 games in double A and two games at Cal State Fullerton. I mean, okay, yeah. so uh, there's that, but like I know the and Reds one did game it. in the majors, two games in the majors. So you're talking about 14 yeah. games in his entire career, he's played shortstop. It's this is just a little not different. Enough. Well, this is different than Eugenio Suarez trying to play shortstop. Just because that failed well, doesn't mean this would fail. Yes, but Suarez but even had more history. Suarez yeah. had been a shortstop. Yeah, no, I, I, that's the that's the funny thing about <laughs> so it. But I just, yeah. I, but I, I think when I when I looked at defensive measures for Suarez as a third baseman, and just just kind of seeing his body type and how he moves, it was kind of like that guy at shortstop again. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. Might outgrew the position at, at his age. Yeah, he got bigger. He, he just outgrew it. And with yeah. Chapman, it's weird, but I, I can kind of talk myself into it. He's just, a little I, bit closer body type. He's younger. Yeah. And How by the way, he? this um this came from Tina? this came from the 20, Michael K show originally. Buster only ESPN was a guest. Chapman's 20, a little older than I thought. Twenty eight, it'll be twenty nine, pretty much opening day age. I mean, the end of April. This is twenty nine season. Um, I, I, I don't think I like it. I, there's yeah. a part of me that wants to like it because of you know it'd be different and it's bold and it, the analytics say that maybe it should work, but I don't I don't think I like it. I, I don't like it either. I also think with Matt Chapman and curious what you both think about this. Moving a player defensively, I think can have could have downside effects on their offensive performance. And you and what you want from Chapman is a bounce back offensively. <laughs> right. You're already you're already hoping for a, a better version of Chapman at the play. I believe in a Matt Chapman bounce back as a as a hitter anyway. He's I'd just be like the ball hard and focus on the high fastball. Figure out how to hit the high fastball. I don't want to ask you to also focus how to play shortstop right now. I, I think yeah. we saw enough from him as a hitter in 18 and 19 with the K rates consistently under 25% where I think he can get the K rate back down in the future. Still still going to provide power either way. So I bet you would like him as a bounce back. How bat. about Chapman yeah. to the Blue Jays? Also, also good in in, in the in the event that Cleveland's asking price is too high or someone else comes along. Yeah, having a, a backup option, I think that would be a good fit. Agreed. I, I, that's a good point, though, DVR. Like the you don't want to ask a guy to play a new position because there are ramifications offensively. Especially we talked about the phys, the physicality. Yeah, yeah, because and, and he's now going to be beat up. And yeah. yeah, Manny was just exhausted. And again, a lot younger. And I think when you when you look at that, I, I believe Manny's numbers offensively may have dipped a little bit. It wasn't quite as fun. I, I remember in his head, he thought like shortstop was going to be so awesome. You know, he's going <laughs> to be such a cooler position than third. And it turns out not only is he much better at third, but it's much less physical a lot better physically for him. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I think when you try to ask someone to do a new role, all of a sudden Chapman's legs hurt, right? Cause he's been doing the start and stop, you know, I was talking about, well, that yeah. lower half is what powers your swing. There's all kinds of ramifications for that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah. the other uh, connected thought here, right? If you want to put Matt Chapman in Toronto and, and my resolution for them is to keep going. To, it, is that a resolution? It's encouragement. <laughs> I'll like push the, the chips in. Uh, yeah, push, yeah, push the chip. Keep pushing chips in. Okay, what are you sending back to Oakland? Thinking about, again, a package of players they'd be interested in. I, I think here, Kevin Biggio is a guy you'd send back. Like You'd say, okay, oh, like he, he can play every day in Oakland. I think they'd be they'd be into wow. that. You've mm -hmm. got big league catching depth, but they don't need that, so that doesn't help you. Like Sean, like Sean Murphy's their catcher. Like They're not, they're not going to be as interested in Alejandro Kirk as other teams would be or as interested in even Danny Jansen as other teams would be. 
Um, so well, they, it, some, but I guess you could well, go you could go higher end if, if if they wanted to move one of those guys. Right. Well, they've shown I mean, maybe, a willingness, right, Toronto, to move some of their top prospects to win now. So right, they, they did it with the Barrios trade. So uh, and now is the time to do that. They've got what two guys in the top MLB.com's like top one hundred. It looks like. I think uh, Jordan Groshans and yep. Gabriel Moreno are pretty like they're. they're um, I think Groshans Orla, could Orla go. Orlovis Martinez is in. Orlovis, yeah, he's he's good. Orlovis Martinez is a good prospect too. And, you could get a you could get a, an interesting mix because if if the Jays are willing to move Nate Pearson, the injured pitching prospect is exactly a thing that Oakland takes chances on. There's oh, yeah. a lot yes. of evidence. And I was that. I was so, looking. I was right now just looking for their best you know their best depth. But if they made it a bigger deal. And it was Chapman plus maybe one of the one-year guys, Manaya or um, or Bassett. Um, then you could put Pearson and Biggio in, and that would be yeah. a totally an A's deal right there. And and a prospect, not obviously not Moreno, probably not Groshans. That's a little aggressive. Probably not. I mean, Martin. it could even be somebody some like Thomas Hatch. Yes, Thomas Hatch, yeah. where it's like Thomas the Hatch. A's are like, I like that guy. We could plug him into our into our rotation right away. Here's another A's guy that the Jays have right now. Kevin Smith, infielder up at AAA, a little older, has nowhere to play in Toronto. That guy could play a ton. Could play a ton in Oakland. They need they need a shortstop in Oakland. Okay. So we we are we are there we go. Kevin Smith. It's 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 a lot though. I mean, Vigio, you know, still has years of control left. And Pearson, uh, it seems to be a lot of people have high hopes for him, but but you're getting a lot. I mean getting a lot. It's an interesting idea. Vigio, Kevin Smith, and Pearson. For Bassett and uh, and Matt Chapman, yeah, yeah, I, I like I like this. You know what? You know we should write like a bold trade for Toronto ideas because obviously I have nothing going on and no story ideas. So no, maybe yeah, care. maybe a, a list of five bold trades. Five bold trades. People love bold trades. I love bold trades. <laughs> I think bold trades are amazing. Everyone loves the bold trade, and hopefully we're not that <laughs> far away from from getting them back. Uh, any other oh resolution type things oh, on your mind? I got a resolution for you. Mm. Get to the table. Oh God! Why <laughs> did nobody say that? How about get like, to just, the just, table? No, not even that. How about schedule a meeting? <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Oh Talk. my God. I Please. here's my here's my bold resolution, guys. I think all negotiations should literally involve both parties locked in a room. Not allowed to come out, not allowed to eat, drink, take bathroom breaks until it's resolved. You want to talk about <laughs> short lockout? That's it. Here's some cups. We'll use some water so you don't die. Here's some water bottles. That's what my husband does when he goes hunting, like takes plastic water bottles. There you go. Nice. Take those water bottles inside with you. Uh, you drink them and then you hunt? use them again. People are so weird. Um. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad people do it, and I'm glad it makes people happy. It it just um, I don't have the the genes that are are happy. I've enjoyed shooting activity. guns, but I just done it at uh at at you know at places shooting where you range. Shoot guns. Yeah, shooting range. Yeah, yeah, totally. I did that once just because I thought it would be a good skill to have. Like, what if someone breaks in and I'm home alone? Like, I need to know. I think it's a good skill. Uh, but yeah, sitting alone in a cold hole when it's 20 degrees here, not for me. If I'm home alone and someone breaks in, I'm throwing micro machines on the floor and then <laughs> running through the house and throwing paint cans Hope, at them. Hoping I, Hazel attacks them. Sorry to bring up stats, but uh, yeah, the stats say if you have a, a gun in the house, you're more likely to injure yourself. Oh, yeah. thanks, Eno. Yeah. Um, no, actually, I, I'm I'm just the the baseball bat guy because I'm not missing with a bat. Like, uh, this is not going to happen. 
Yeah, yeah true. And if they take yeah. the bat from me or if they have something better, then I put the bat down and I say, what would you like from my house? You know what? That's true. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe <laughs> the resolution should be actual home security systems. Yeah. <laughs> what would you like from my house except for my children? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I have a black belt in karate and I've never been, I, I have a black belt in taekwondo. Uh, nice. my, parent, my parents wanted us to be able to defend ourselves and I've never actually used it and I kind of always wanted to use it. But now it's like almost too late because I'm like old and out of practice. Did you and I even remember probably, any of it? <laughs> yeah. I'd kick someone and like pull a muscle. But, like, <laughs> well, as long as you hit them, it's a, it's a fair trade off to make, right? You can land <laughs> sure. the kick, pull a muscle. It's probably both still on a win. the ground. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I just got to make it a really good kick. Uh, on that, very cheery bizarre <laughs> note uh we are gonna go uh you can find us on twitter you know is at you know saris brit is at brit underscore Giroli. i am at derek van riper the podcast has a twitter account it has never tweeted but it will tweet soon at rates and barrels if you're watching us on youtube be sure to barrel up on the like button if you haven't subscribed to the athletic already the athletic.com slash rates and barrels gets you 33 percent off a subscription i have no idea if there's going to be some kind of super bundle that gets you new york times cooking and crossword and everything else all together. I'm sure so something some something will be there. We don't have that offer yet. Sorry. Um, you know, if you just like what we're doing, you can still support us at theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. That's gonna do it for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We are back with you on Monday. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.